In episode 9.1 of Unshuffled, we go back to the 70s and check out the self-titled debut from The Runaways. Let's get into it. Welcome listeners, welcome to Unshuffled, welcome back to our long-time listeners, and uh, a special welcome to our first-time listeners. If this is your first time, you'll soon work out what we're doing. We're trying to bring back the album, and we're doing it band by band, album by album. Two, two blokes talking music. One of them is me, your host, Matt, and the other one is your my co-host, your co-host too, Scotty D. I'm everybody's co-host. Hi, Matt. Mm. Mm. Hi, everybody. Yeah. The Runaways is the band we're doing today. Uh, always exciting when we embark on a, on a new journey with a new band. And we deliberately chose an older band for this one, which was kind of what we thought we were going to be doing when we started the podcast. And now we're doing it. We've got a band from the 70s, The Runaways. And uh, I'd never really heard The Runaways before. You know, I'd, I'd heard of The Runaways, but I'd never really listened to the anything by The Runaways. And, and that's the whole point of this, whole point of this podcast. We know we should have listened to them. We never have. Here we are. We're doing it. Hopefully, hopefully you're going to do it with us uh, too, listener. You're going to give this band a listen. Um, and that's kind of the point of this, you know. <laughs> Actually, go back. Listen to an album, start to finish. And if you haven't listened to this album, which is the first album from The Runaways, the self-titled debut, go and do it now. Press pause. You'll always be able to come back and listen to this. But uh, once you've done that, join us. And uh, the first thing we always do with any album is to get the lowdown, the full details of when it was released and so on. And, and Scott's the man who does that for us. So tell us, Scott, tell us about the album. Right, let's do this. Uh, this is Runaways' first album, debuts, debut, as you mentioned. Um, it was released on in March of '76. I don't have a date; I just have the month. So mm. March something of 1976. Mm. Uh, it was produced by Kim Fowley. Mm. Um, it was recorded for Mercury Records, recorded at Fidelity Records in Studio City and Criterion. Uh, in Hollywood, so kind of just in that LA, LA area. The lineup for the band is Sherry Curry on vocals and piano, Joan Jett on guitar and vocals, Lita Ford guitar, Sandy West on drums, and then supposed to be Jackie Fox on bass and vocals, but we may talk about this later. She was nixed from recording in place of Nigel Harrison, who was the bass player for Blondie. Oh, she didn't play on the album. No. Oh, okay. There you go. <laughs> That's why we get you to do the research. I I didn't know she wasn't playing on the album. Oh. Yeah, they. It sounds like they they axed her from the recording studio. She plays on the next two albums, I believe. But in this one, they brought in Nigel Harrison. Is the speculation? I guess that's not even. To be fair, that's all. That's speculation. All right. That's word on the street. Man at a bar okay. told me, sort of thing. <laughs> All right. I mean, 
already just the lineup. You, there's there's big names there. Joan Jett, Lita Ford, um, huge names. You know they've gone on to to be you know massive in their artists in their own right after this band. So you can see that just by picking up and looking at the lineup of the band, like this is an important band, right? Um, so that was one of the things that wanted me, you know, in, attracted me to the band. Like there, there's obviously something here, right? There's something important that uh, that uh, music lovers, rock and roll lovers, need to need to familiarise themselves with. So if you haven't, go and do it, and then have a listen to us. Yeah, this band was definitely captured a moment that it i i don't know how i hadn't listened to this i don't this is one of those when we started this whole thing we were talking about those bands that we haven't listened to and should have and this is a hundred percent and i didn't even realize it this is a hundred percent one of those bands for me i i grew up with joan jett as my background music right i mean just joan jett triggers and conjures all of this sort of childhood nostalgia for me. Mm. I don't know why I never actively sought out the runaways. Mm. And, uh, but I'm, but uh, yeah, I'm realizing that it, it captured a moment, but it became such an important part of the culture. Yeah. Interestingly though, for all their fame later on, they don't seem to have been that big at the time, except with the exception of two countries, one of which is dear to my heart and one of which is dear to your heart, hmm. they seem to be huge in Australia, my home country, and Japan, where you're living now, but not that big in the US at the time. Maybe they've sort of got famous later on, but you know, at the time, it, it, it didn't seem to be really break through in the US, but it did elsewhere. That's what I was trying to find. Like part of what we would talk about is sort of, or we would look at kind of what was the critical reception. And I really had a hard time finding information specifically about the album, right? Mm. Anything, any sort of research I did wanted to talk about just the runaways and their career and who they are and what they became. I really did not find much specific. So I wonder if just much wasn't, written about it at the time and it i mean i mean they were kind of thrown together it seems like it it, it seems like this album was just kind of here's the band let's just chuck something together and release it i, I don't know that there was a lot of thought behind the, the album I, I don't know that um the girls themselves had had a great idea of wh where this thing was going to go and, and what or what their sound was going to be. But I guess we can talk about that more as we go through it. Before we start, I mean, we picked this band thinking, oh, this is going to be fun. We're going to do The Runaways. It's going to be, it's going to be such a fun, good time album. We should address it straight up. There, there is some, um, there, there are some tragic allegations surrounding the band at the time of the release of this album. There's an alleged uh, sexual assault of uh, the bass player, Jackie Fox, and we'll link to the article um, where that came to light. After the, and it was allegedly uh, the manager, Kim Fowley, uh, who, who is to blame for that. And all this sort of came to light after his death, which was fairly recent. There's been films made about this band. This Fowley guy sounds like 
a terrible guy. Um, there's all sorts of further allegations about who knew it happened at the time. It's a difficult one. Um, and I, it's not something I think we need to go into great detail about other than to, to acknowledge it and to, you know, we'll put the link on the, on the show notes for those that want to follow the story further. I don't know. Anything you want to say about about that? I mean, um, yeah, I I think like those. Unfortunately, those allegations definitely sort of right because we know those now going into it. So I don't. There is no like I I know that as I'm listening to this, and so it is kind of sort of a cloud that hangs over it. But at the same time. Even like as I'm looking through my notes and everything that I've talked about, I'm my focus here was to just talk about the music. Hmm. But I can't ignore the fact that I, I guess that he is going to be a major songwriter on for for most of well not most yeah most of these songs. Hmm. Um, but yeah, it's there. It's 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 kind of a it's kind of a dark cloud that sort of just sits there. Hmm. It's still an album. It's still music, and I, I, you know, hopefully we can separate the album itself from from those uh, terrible allegations. But uh, yeah, as we said, we'll link to the show notes if you if you do want to read more about about that, you you can. And there's, um, uh, I think it was addressed, probably addressed in the film about them that I haven't seen, but there was a, a major uh, film released, I don't know, ten fifteen years ago that. Um, deals with at least the, um, I mean, you, you know, the allegations went beyond that. I mean, this guy was apparently pretty nasty to them and, and very controlling and, um, you know, sort of scary and abusive towards them in many ways. So I don't think he was a nice guy, put it that way. Um, but having having said that, let's move on and move into the track by track and... Uh, do our best to, to separate the music from, from those, uh, from the allegations. Shall we? Let's do it. You take I'll, it. I'll take it. Cherry Bomb. Uh, so this is, you know, when you Google or look up on YouTube the band, this is the song that tends to come up as the film clip. So it's, I guess, one of their best-known songs. When I first put it on, after... because. We've been listening to modern bands mainly on this podcast. So bands like Gojira and Ghost. When you listen to something that's, oh, how old is it now? Nearly 50 years old. Wait, this album? Yes. Easy, easy, easy on the nearly 50. (laughs) (laughs) It's not 50, all right? It's It's 40-something. It's mid-40s. Just leave it there. It's only a few months older than I am. Let's just keep it in mid-40s. All right. Um, Look, the thing that first jumped out at me was just the simplicity of it. And um, it's not just the simplicity of the song itself, but, I mean, we're used to hearing sort of layered instrumentation, modern studio techniques. With this band, I don't know, it's just what it is, you know? There's no extra stuff laid on. It's just five girls in a studio playing music like and, and there's nothing there's no extra tracks there's no multi-tracking or anything and, it, and it's kind of almost a shock when you hear it for the first time after after what we've been listening to so um 
but in a nice way, I think. The other part that's simple is just the music itself. I mean, this opening song is is as simple as it gets with a riff, right? What is it? Like, as rock riffs go, it doesn't get much simpler. But the other thing that jumped out at me was Sherry Curry, the voice of her, like, because all you hear about with this band is, oh, these girls, they were so young when they released this album. And then at pains to tell you on the on the back of the album that these girls were sixteen when they released this album. Sherry Curry sounds much older. Like this, she's got quite a deep voice, very strong voice. So that sort of jumped out at me as unexpected straight from the start. Uh, it does come up a little in the chorus, but those verses, she's um, she's got a very deep tone to her voice. Um, and the other thing that jumped out at me in this first song was the guitar uh, work from from Lita Ford, who, of these musicians, sounds like the most technically accomplished at this point in her life anyway. I, I don't know that Lita Ford gets any songwriting credits on this album, but just her solo work and uh, stood out to me as, as, um, as very good on this song. A really simple song. Uh, it was written by... Jet and Fowley, the manager. I guess the lyrics are pretty bad. They they sort of play on this. I mean, the, the, the name of the band is The Runaways. They play on this good girl gone bad, sort of schoolgirl dropping out of school, going off the rails thing. I mean, that's the whole, that's their whole shtick. That's what the manager wanted them, that the image the manager wanted them to portray. I don't know. That's fine, but it's just, I don't know. It's, the lyrics are just really bad. I don't know. Can't stay at home. Can't stay at school. They're runaways. Okay. I mean, it's pretty obvious. Um, I don't know. But yeah, overall, it was just the simplicity of the song and um, and, sh- and the uh, the voice of Sherry Curry, the, the two things that stood out to me most of all. What do you think? I think that there's some authenticity to what they're singing about. And maybe that's the reason they took pains to put their ages on the on the back of the album cover is that, I mean, they are 16 years old and, and you know, in a punk band and mm. sort of playing out at all these clubs, I assume. I wonder if there's some, there's maybe not a little bit of, I think they're, you, write, write, write what you know. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I but I agree. There is a simplicity that, that sort of drives throughout. And I also agree that uh, both, Curie and uh, Jet, like Joan Jet, sounds like she sounds now, and so there is sort of a, a maturity to the sound of their voice when they're singing. It's, yeah, no, and so I'm just gonna go ahead and drop Anthemic right now. Oh, so anybody, anybody out there drinking, go ahead and take that shot. This is it. I mean, this song, this is this song is Anthemic, um, and it's just we we get started right off the bat with with just a strong strong album opener. Uh, this song has is just absolutely transcended time, and and I don't want to say that this song is sort of carrying the weight of the Runaways for these forty plus years, uh, not yet fifty. Um, but this song, this song has definitely done a lot of uh, sort of carrying of that mantle. Um, I love. Have you seen the album cover? We and we didn't talk about the album cover of. Oh, we didn't know. But we can. I don't really know, actually, 
what to say about the album cover. Uh, I'm not. I, I'm not even sure who's on the cover. Is that is, is that Lita Ford or Sherry Curie? I think it's Sherry Curry. Okay. I think it's interesting that uh, that they didn't show the whole band. I, I do think it's interesting that they just showed her. And I'd be curious to know the reasons for that. I'm wondering were there just like a ton of photos? They were going over, you know, a handful of photos and decided for whatever reason that this is the one. I have no idea. Um, but the cover for the single of this song I really like. And it's it's of the band and we'll put it in the show notes. It's of the band and they're shaded in pink with the lettering in yellow. And it's, if you've seen that first, the album cover for the first Sex Pistols album, it's almost like, it's really reminiscent of that. Like mm-hmm. sort of like a screen printing of that. It's, it's a really cool, the cover for the single of the song is really cool. Oh, I haven't seen um, it. And uh, yeah, and this song, I feel like this song, I, I mean, I, I don't know the Runaways. I knew this song. I mean, just I feel like new life gets breathed into the song every so many years when it's used on something. It just it keeps coming back as it's it's in a soundtrack or something. Okay. No, I hadn't heard it. The photographer was Tom Gold, by the way. Okay. Anyway, next track. You're you're uh, mm-hmm. taking the lead. You drive me wild, Joan Jett. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So going back, the whole thing where I t- started talking about Joan Jett being part of my childhood. This past summer, I was actually invited to go see uh, Motley Crue, Poison, and Joan Jett in Chicago at Wrigley Field, and I couldn't make it because I was gonna—I wasn't gonna get to the Midwest until the day after the show. So I just like missed it by a day. But the whole thing is, is that I've seen Motley Crue and I've seen Poison. I've never seen Joan Jett. I was so excited to go to this con—I wanted to go to this concert. I was trying to figure out how to make it happen, just purely so I could see Joan Jett. And I've missed it, and I'm now reminded of how bummed I am I missed it as we're going over this and as I'm listening to this song. This song is um, is a great song. It's a great Joan Jett song. It's got that big, dirty guitar blues intro. It has her snarl, right? I mean, she was already – all of these things that she's – the Joan Jett I know has perfected were all being worked out here. Um, it's got – like she's got that rasp in her voice – uh, she growls in the way that Joan Jett does. I just think I think this is an amazing Joan Jett song, and I think Lita Ford's solo on this song is also killer. Like this is just it. Like this song is such a perfect snapshot of Joan Jett and Lita Ford and why they both became amazing. Mm. Yeah, it's much bluesier than the than the first song for sure. And yeah, I, look, not much to add um, other than. I agree that that Lita Ford solo is is scorching. Um, yeah, really good, really good song. Um, the next one is it day or night? Uh, this is a Kim Fowley written. He's got the songwriting credits for this. This riff, I mean, is this this is one of the three simplest riffs ever written i feel like this has been done hundreds of times dun, 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 um i don't know how many songs have that riff but uh, it reminded me of queens of the stone age yeah i don't know it's just it's it's a very familiar sounding riff um i actually didn't mind the lyrics of this was the first time i thought oh that lyric's not bad the porcupine kiss novocaine lips um 
I like this. The solo sounds a bit different. I'm wondering if it's maybe a, a Joan Jett solo instead of a Lita Ford solo. It sounds a little different to the solo on the first couple. And it has a false ending, which is always fun. Mm. <laughs> um, but I don't have a lot to add. I mean, it's a, it's a pretty simple song. When, I don't know. when I first heard the song, my first thought was it sounds like Kiss. Mm. Like this sounds like it should be a Kiss song. Um, and then I found out, so I did a little research on this, and uh, Fowley, he has a ton of songwriting credits that go way beyond um, The Runaways. Uh, and yes, he, he was working with Kiss at the time on their Destroyer album and had written, co-written a, a handful of songs for that album. And I, there's no reason to think that this was like a Kiss throwaway song that ended up as a Runaways song. But, um, well, but maybe, I don't know. It just ha has that kiss, like the beginning feels like kiss to me. And then the end felt like Queens of the Stone Age, which I, he had nothing to do with Queens of the Stone Age. I'm almost certain of that. <laughs> um, this one though, where I mentioned the authenticity in the last one, this one, I actually, in my notes, I said the lyrics actually feel a little bit inauthentic on this one. Uh, this one, it feels like it's trying too hard. It, in fact, it sounds like a middle-aged man trying to write in the voice of a teenager. Um, with, like, Which I word, guess is almost what it was, right? Right. White flowers weep in their warm dust sleep and it's dog oh. eat dog tonight. It's, okay. it's ridiculous, right? Um, but again, the guitar solo, and, and you're right. I guess I didn't have any, I didn't know... I didn't have any, you said that you thought maybe it sounded a little bit different. And I, I guess I kind of attributed it to Lita Ford, but yeah, you might absolutely be right. It might've been Joan Jett. Um, it's, it's, I don't know. I like the riff. Uh, I didn't really care for the song. In fact, I skip over the song. Um, and I feel like given what we talked about at the top of the, the fact that it's a Kim Fowley song exclusively, I don't feel bad for not really liking it. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So uh, moving on to track four, Thunder. Uh, again, I like the sound of the guitar on this. I like the opening riff. It's not distorted, but it definitely has that overdrive. But this is like pre-80s proper distortion, kind of when they were using the amps to make the magic. Um, the bass is doing some cool riffs kind of up on the neck, which contrasts the low end of the guitar. That's kind of cool, the way that those work together. Um, the piano bit in the ooh, ooh, ooh in the bridge is kind of unexpected, but yes. it, it, it adds to the song. I mean, it, it adds another, it adds some sort of layer to the simplicity, but it's a, it's a quick song, right? I mean, I think all of these are pretty quick. This one gets in and out in two and a half minutes. Mm. Not the, not the shortest song, but definitely a short song. Mm. I've been starting on this song actually when it last five or six times I've listened to this album, I've just, started with thunder um i think this is my favorite actually this is uh, one of the things about this album is and i think i think the band themselves would agree that they didn't really know which direction they were going to go and they had a few different options and one of them was this acdc style straight ahead hard rock and this is an example of that. This was very ACDC, I thought. Um, similar guitar tone. I, I don't I don't know what guitars they played on this album, actually. I, um, I can find out. Yeah, have a, have a Google while I... Um, 
What did what did ACDC play? There was a SG. I don't know. Yeah, no, he plays. I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he played uh, an SG. Angus plays a Gibson SG. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just thought the guitar tone was similar to ACDC, and certainly the riff. You know, that spaced out riff with the big gaps in it for the for the drum hits. Oh, Joan Jett played a Les Paul. Ah, okay. Um, great vocal performance here. Really, lo- really enjoyed this song. And yeah, that middle bit was a bit different, a bit strange. Um, but yeah, I really like this. I was kind of hoping that this might be the direction they end up going in the ACDC style rather than the more garagey, punky stuff. But uh, who knows where, where they'll end up? I, you Maybe you do, but I, I don't. But I, I like this one. This was written by Mark Anthony and Kari Chrome. Um, and I think that's part of the reason that there's so many sort of different directions here is that there's different songwriters on every track. Joan Jett has the sort of bluesy stuff. Um, but yeah, this one's definitely um, a bit more straight ahead and, and really enjoyable. This, this was my favorite. Uh, it goes into, let me turn the page here, rock and roll. Now, <laughs> um, apparently this is a Lou Reed song, but um, I had I didn't know that, and I'm showing my complete and utter ignorance because, um, I don't know, maybe you better talk about this. It's a Lou Reed song, right? Yeah, Velvet Underground. Okay, and it's been covered by other bands? and Oh, yeah, 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 and, and in fact, one of the... Like Jane's Addiction does an amazing version of this song, mm. um, and and I feel like it was interesting that when I heard when I heard sort of just the way that uh, that Joan Jett sings the song, I wondered. I found myself wondering. I wondered, like, is was Jane Jett covering or sorry, change it? Was Jane's Addiction covering the Runaways version of rock and roll? Because the way Perry Farrell sings it almost feels more reminiscent of Joan Jett than Lou Reed. No, it was just a thought I had. I have no... Do nothing. either the Velvet Underground or the Jane's Addiction versions have Cowbell from start to finish? No. Uh. Well, this no. one does. <laughs> There's a lot of Cowbell in this. I like it, though. No uh-huh. solo. No solo. That made me a bit sad. But apart from that, okay, good. I had no idea it was a cover, so... I was just thinking that, but yeah, no, I felt like the riffs between the chorus and the verse were the, of this one were sort of different than, than the original. There is a little bit of a, they did put a little bit of a twist on this. And the, the yeah, it was what you said about the cowbell. I was wondering if that was, it, it sounded like either the constant cowbell um, or he even sounded like, you know how they, they have those click machines for the drummers uh. to kind of keep them like that metronome? <laughs> It almost sounded like that, and it how somehow bled into the mix. It was it was kind of annoying and takes you out of the song. Actually, mm-hmm. uh, I think that needed to be dialed back a bit. Um, anyway, yeah, I love her. Sorry. Uh, this song is I think this is the shortest song on the album. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at two oh nine, same riff just repeated throughout. Um, yeah. The verse is sung in sort of this brash tone. Uh, but uh, the chorus, when she starts singing about love, kind of gets sort of coy and more reserved. I mean, it's an interesting dynamic. There is sort of a cringe element to the oh, verse. Cr- I wrote that exact word. This is <laughs> yeah. a cringy song. <laughs> but it's, it's like bad teenage 
poetry, but done to sort of like call and response. I want something um, bad and nice. I want it nice from paradise. Oh, man. <laughs> but I like, terrible. I like the chorus. Oh. Mm. I, I thought this one was probably best forgotten. <laughs> I don't know. It was pretty bad. Next one's good though. Mark Anthony again. I think my favorite ones were the Mark Anthony ones. I like the Ooh, next one. American Nights. My son was singing this after a drive home from school. He obviously thought it was pretty catchy. American Nights, track seven. Um, I thought it was really nicely driven by the rhythm section and a very strong vocal performance. Got a bit almost like a power metal or a hairband feel to this song. And I think it's the Mark Anthony influence again, perhaps. Who is he? I really hard to look up mark anthony yeah okay. um there's a sure it is <laughs> there are a lot of them yeah okay he i don't know might have there's... been married to cleopatra yeah i he... think he was <laughs> he might be i think shakespeare a... wrote about him at one point anyway look a few different elements the piano is back on this one and the cowbell and at one point in this song there's this really big power chord that just comes and sort of rides over the whole thing this big heavy metal guitar chord which sounds great um anyway i like this this when they're playing in this style i like the mac mark anthony stuff um so i enjoyed this one it's probably my second favorite song on the album american nights you like this one I, I, yeah i like when they give her like she has the credit in this in the in the album credits sherry curie sorry is who I'm speaking, of playing piano mm. and there's not really a song where she plays piano but she gets these like cool little riffs, right? These little piano lines that she gets to do. And just there's what three songs, I think, that kind of give her a moment to do that. And this is another one. You almost wonder if like, I don't know, this is just her parents stepped in and like, look, I spent all this money on piano lessons. You better get some damn piano in there. Or I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why I made her parents sound like my dad. Um, but she does a little bit of piano in there. Uh, the song also calls out Queens and Noise, which is going to be their next album. Seems like just a, I don't know, I don't know, 1970s feels like a time of just fun party songs, right? Mm. I, I, I suppose that carried over into the early 80s. And then the fun party song was just killed a swift death in the 90s, right? Yeah. Um, and, but this seems like one of them. And again, again, it has that kiss feel, which... I think I don't want to make too much of that, but the fact that, you know, there was the two albums were being worked on at the same time. Uh, it kind of the, just listening to the song makes me nostalgic for sort of like this yellow toned vintage parking lot party where everyone's sort of wearing frayed jean shorts and drinking pull tab beers. Like it's a party I never went to. I've never been to existence. one of those either. <laughs> but, but it's sort of like that's what's in my head. Yeah. Um, all right. And that leads us into blackmail. This is another sort of definite Joan Jett song. Uh, again, she nails those bluesy riffs and then just just sort of hangs on it, pulls it down for three minutes. Um, she growls, her voice breaks in all the right places. Uh, this is sort of like this song is Joan Jett perfecting the art of being Joan Jett. It's not bad reputation, but it like this song needed to be written like this was this was bad reputation with training wheels. Right. She had to kind of learn to do this before she could get to that. So I like this song for what it is, especially as somebody who likes Joan Jett now and like looking back and going, oh, right, of course, this is where it all started. Yeah, definitely. You can tell the Joan Jett songs on this album, the, the bluesier ones, basically, the, 
the Junjit. Very bluesy songs. Um, this one really sounded similar to the other Junjit song on this album. So um, I, I enjoyed it, but I just thought it was there was nothing new. It was very similar to You Drive Me Wild, which was, was that track two, was it? Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. It just felt like a rehash of track two to me. Um, Secrets is the next one. Four people wrote this. Curry, Bally, Chrome, and West. Um, little hint of ACDC again. So there's now and then you get this ACDC vibe. Um, and this one again sounded like an earlier song on the album. This one sounded a lot to me like Thunder. So maybe they're running out of ideas a little bit at this point. Uh, there's some piano. And there's this... Uh, I, I don't know. I, I didn't really like Secrets very much. It was okay, but just... I, I'm by this stage of the album, I'm I'm like okay, I'll I'll just listen to Thunder. Um, this it's interesting that you keep you brought up the ACDC. This is uh, the, the common thread here is Carrie Chrome, mm. who was I guess she was a co-founder of the Runaways. Mm. Um, anyway, cool. I think it's got a cool guitar riff. I like again. I like the way that the bass and the guitar work together at the opening of the song. Um, it, it like, this is the other one. This is the third one, the trilogy of Sherry Curie's little mm. piano lines that she kind of mm. gets in the middle. Um, and <laughs> I like how, I mean, maybe not, but this song is sort of like part one of Dead End Justice, right? This is this is the one where they get caught. Right. Remember where they, they said something like, uh, oh, I don't remember what she says, but she says something she, like, if they, coming. someone's coming, yeah, don't get caught or whatever. Uh, anyway, I, so I envision that this is, where they get caught, which leads us into Dead End Justice, which is the long, like this is their epic stairway to heaven, right? It's seven minutes. Um, this song is awesome. <laughs> That's all I can say. What do you want to talk about other than this song is awesome? It's got like that chugging guitar riff, the echoey sort of lead riffs. It's got the snarling vocals. The action jailbreak sequence of the end of this song is like, I, I, I can't even begin to explain how much I hope, and I know, I know it won't, but how amazing would it be if Metallica ends their next album on some sort of like action sequence of, of, <laughs> of James Hetfield trying to, I don't know, get out of a an arena and, and Lars trying to escape the people. Like, we need more of this. We, we need more. We need more bands just coming together and acting out some scenario at the end. Um, and then Lita Ford just shreds this thing out, right? The reason it's seven minutes long is because Lita Ford just steps in and says, give me some time here, folks. And she just shreds us out straight through to the end. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, the whole juvie thing, <laughs> it's, pretty, it's pretty, pretty crazy. It's funny. Um, yeah, and it, it's like this switch from, from the when they get caught to the, and then you get the militaristic drumming to, to tell us we're in jail now. Um, but yeah, that's spoken dialogues. Funny. And um, I don't know. See, so this was jailbreak. So this was another ACDC. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Another, they had the whole jailbreak thing. Um, I don't know. I, <laughs> I thought this was pretty bad. I, I don't know. Um, 
Is it awesome or is it bad? Or is no, it's it awesome. Both, in fact, is it in both fact, at the same time. <laughs> it could be both at the same time. If you want my favorite tracks, in fact, I can't decide between Dead End Justice and You Drive Me Wild. Okay. All right. You Drive Me Wild. Wow. Okay. So, Joan Jett. Who wrote this one? This is. Uh, Dead End Justice was written by. This is also four people. This is Sherry Curry, Joan Jett, Kim Fowley, and Scott Anderson, who's a new addition to our song. Right. I think he was a manager or something. He had something. No, oh, okay. He was hanging around the band. Again, too. probably not. In, if I Google him, I'm probably going to get Scott Anderson. A million and one Scott Andersons. He yeah. probably also married Cleopatra. Mm. Um. Yeah. Well, that's it. Short album. Uh, good fun. I mean, I enjoyed my time with it. Uh, I don't know where where it ranks on our like all time album list or anything. It's um, is it more than just a than just a sort of historical album of note? Is there more to it than that? Is there stuff you're going to come back to? I I think okay. I'm going to say yes. Yeah. Um, there is, this, this is one where, as I was listening to this album, um, again, the sort of the, let's, let's just sort of dismiss. I mean, there is that, as we talked about, sort of the dark cloud kind of hanging, but there was something just like listening to the music was just like, it was, it goes back to that simplicity that you were talking about earlier. I remember there were moments when we were doing um, Gojira, I can't remember which album it was, but there was a moment. The Art of Dying like, or something, probably. Yeah, 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 yeah. Where it was just like, oh, right? <laughs> we, we were both, I don't know if we said it on while we were recording or if we waited till post-recording, where it was just like, I need, <laughs> I need something. I need, I need therapy. I need, yeah, I need something. <laughs> and and this, this album isn't that. Right. Um, it just, it isn't that this is one where it's just, you could just kind of put it on and it's not sort of this albatross. Mm. It's just landed on your, on your shoulders, sort of mm. taking the air out of you. Um, yeah. There are definite songs here. I think I would, I, I don't know that dead end justice is going to make it into any sort of mix that I put together, but you drive me wild. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. The fact that my son, my seven year old son really liked this album I think it's a great sort of introduction to someone who's new to the sort of rock and roll and the, the sound of a heavy guitar. Like just this is the structure of a rock and roll song. This is what, this is where, you know, you can sort of build off this. And I also think that the word you said was like party, the 70s party vibes. I, I can imagine if I was to ever have a big party ever again, <laughs> which I may do one day. I don't know. Um, or if I was, like, I can imagine this playing at a little inner city bar at about 2 a.m., you know, one of those little bar rock and roll bars. And this would be a fun one for a DJ to chuck on. You, know, you chuck yeah. on any of these on it, and then people would dance. You could dance to this. It's good fun. So, yeah, there is that party vibe, and, and there's value in that. I mean, there's a joy to this album and a sort of, I guess it's the, the joy of youth, you know, that it's kind of infectious. They're just having fun. 
and um, and yeah, there's some real fun fun songs on this Thunder and American Nights and a couple of the others who just just sort of make you smile and get you humming and, and tapping your foot, which is great. I mean, that, there is value in that. So yeah, it is more than just oh, you need to listen to this. There is more to it, and it doesn't it doesn't tax you. You're right. You're not going to get to the end and feel like you've been put through the ring, and you're just going to go, oh, that was fun. Let's do it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Enjoyed it. Enjoyed it. Uh, be interesting to know. Uh, I, you called them a? Did you call them a garage band or a punk band? What did you call them? I think I called them a punk band. Hmm. Are they? Um, I don't know. I think that they were. I don't know. I don't. I even as I said that, I don't know if that's the right classification. Uh, I think I they had this... arguments after this. I, I remember reading something about the fact that different members wanted to go in different directions. Yes. Yeah, I, to- I totally, I, but I think that gets later. Like, I think we're going to see that evidence of that in later albums. Right. I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. I haven't heard any of the later albums, but I know I, I did watch a YouTube, like, little 30-minute doc on them, and, um, and I think that's going to start to happen. And it's the, hard like, for us, with the, with the benefit of hindsight, you can, it's obvious which directions you could go from here, but to them, these are all paths that I haven't, been walked down yet so do you go down the acdc hard i mean you'd had some bands that had just started down these paths i guess their big options were do we go ramonesy right acdc i mean i think they they what i think what they ended up doing was just they answered they went ahead and just went solo and resolved those issues on their own yeah or or bluesy which is this kind of joan jet bluesy stuff and then Lita Ford obviously had some she wanted to shred and, and be a bit hard more hard rock and yet and then you had the you know the songwriting leading them down to the, the, the ACDC straight straight ahead rock path as well so yeah I guess they they didn't put too much thought into it they just chucked a bunch of songs together and um and, and the, those arguments came later I mean and uh, let's be honest how much how much say did they have? Yeah. Well, not much at this point. Right. Um, but nice to see him getting songwriting. Like Joan Jett. Yeah, 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 100%. Mm. Um, and it must have been, and I haven't seen it, but their, their concerts in Japan, they must have been awesome fun. I mean, that, that Japan really took a, a liking to this band. Um, and that a lot of, I think they actually recorded a live, live in Japan. They did, yeah. Album. And so. it's, it's even just got like that raw 70s feel to the recording. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you're there, so I, I don't know, maybe you can, I noticed on Discogs, look, trying to find a CD, the CDs, all the vinyl and CDs for this band were in Japan. So maybe you've been managed, you can manage to track some I... down. I found this amazing, when I was in Tokyo several weeks ago, this amazing, like, eight-story record store, and each level is a genre of music. It was so overwhelming, and I guarantee it's flooded. Like, I got to go back. I got to go back and look, and I guarantee it'd be flooded with the Runaways. But to our earlier point, I don't know what floor I would look for the Runaways on. (laughs) Yeah, well, maybe we'll find out next in the next couple of albums, which genre they settle on. Mm. All right. Um, anyway, uh, we should do a band Brownlow 
before we quickly talk about well, you know what we expect on the next album and wrap it up where, where, where do you stand on the band Brownlow given that there's some big names here in this list yeah yeah yeah, yeah. well so I I'm my decision here might be controversial. Um, so my my one point there is going to uh, Sherry Curry. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. My two is going to Lita Ford. This is the part that might be controversial. I'm putting Lita Ford in the two spot yeah. because just because of the sort of understated shredding she does. Mm-hmm. Um, so I need to I need to pull her more out into the spotlight. I feel. And then my number three is going to Joan Jett. There's there's no yeah. question. Rhythm, plenty of vo- she does plenty of vocal work on this. Um, all right, rhythm guitar. Uh, see, Lita Ford doesn't do, write any of the songs. Sherry Curry. It's those it, three. I don't know. Is it Curry like the food or Curie like the scientist? C-U-R-R-I-E. That double R suggests it's like the food like to me. Like the food. Okay. Not Mari The scientist was single R. Right. Yeah. Uh, like Steph. The, uh... <laughs> Steph Curry. <laughs> the, um, the basketball player. Oh, but he's Y. He's C U R R Y. Okay. <laughs> that I E wants me to add a E, like curry <laughs> to curry. it. <laughs> Let's go out and get some curry. <laughs> um, all right, it's those three. I think I'm going to go. Leader Ford, one point for the third best. Even though yeah. I love her solos, I guess it's, I just want more of them I um not every song has a solo uh Joan Jett's rhythm guitars are great and the, and she writes some I love her bluesy songs as you mentioned I think I'm going to give my three to Sherry Curry for her vocal performance on this album which no. uh, I thought sound it didn't sound like a debut it's debut it sounded like uh she'd been singing for decades um so really Really great vocal performance from Sherry Curry, and I think I think she sticks around. I don't know what happens on happens on the next album. You, do do all five of these girls stick around? I have I have no idea. I think I feel confident that Joan Jett and Lita Ford are start to finish. Yep. Um, I, I don't know. I think Jackie Fox leaves. Uh, I don't know about Sandy West and Sherry Curry. Anyway, well, I guess we'll find out on the next album. Um, so that'll be uh, be coming up soon. Uh, what's it called? I, now there were two albums released in the same year, but I think the next one, album two, is the Queens of Noise. Yeah, it is. It's I don't know why. Whatever I was looking at, and I'll I'll do more research and I'll be better educated when we talk about our, it. But our listeners I, don't come, tune in for research. It's that's not what we do. <laughs> whatever I was looking at said both the next two albums, Queens of Noise and What Waiting for the Night. Um, were released on December 31st of 1976, which mm. I don't know. Well, I'll, I'll know more when we get there. One was in the morning, one was in the afternoon. <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> Queens of Noise is the one we're doing, whether it's, I, I assume it's their second album. 
Yeah, so. it's it. And when I just looked it up, um, it said it was they, they're calling it the second album. So yeah, yeah. And we'll find out who exactly is still in the band at that point when we get to our next podcast. Which uh, hopefully you'll stick with us, listeners, because uh, this band, like, it's fun. This is a fun band, and you know, I'm enjoying. We certainly enjoyed this one. I'd be interested to see. Like the big question now is, where do they go from here? So that's uh, that's something to stick around for and have a listen to their next album as, as we do too. This one's been fun though. Yeah, yeah? no, I agree. I'm uh, yeah, I'm I'm really glad we decided to do this band before we uh, before we venture into doom. This is a nice little palate cleanser. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. From, Who's but next up, this pole bear is it? Yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. This is the bridge between thrash and doom. All right, this ain't Paul Bearer. No. <laughs> You're asking uh, me if I'm going to listen to this again. Let's talk after the second album of Paul Bearer. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> All right. Thanks, listeners, anyway. Thanks for thanks for tuning in. We do appreciate it, and um, we hope you enjoyed this one. Uh, it was good fun. And uh, yeah, you know, next time we have a party, uh, this will be... Bust out some American Nights. Uh, yeah, Thank you, Matt. Thank you, listener. <laughs> Thank you, Aaron. This has been Unshuffled. Um, look, just quickly, if you if you haven't uh, checked out our website, unshuffledpod.com is where you can find all our past episodes and our show notes from this one, including that it, uh, the link to the Huffington Post article, which you should read just to get the context um uh, for this album and some of the sort of darker sides of what the girls were going through around this time. Uh, Unshuffled Pod is our Twitter handle, at Unshuffled Pod, and we've got an email address, uh, unshuffledpod at gmail.com, which you can contact us and give us your thoughts and suggest bands that we should do and all the rest. So please contact us there. We always thank Small Stone. They're, they're a great record label, and they're, uh, they have a, a band called Seven Planets, um, who have been very kind in allowing us to use a snippet of their track. Uh, the track's called Vanguard. You heard it in the opening section of the podcast, and you'll hear it again in just a moment as we sign off. Uh, the album's called Explorer, and it's available on Bandcamp, and you need to go and get it now if you haven't already. It's good fun. Buzzed up, stone of rock. Hmm. With that said, uh, we've got another album else to do. The Queens of Noise. Some more Joan Jett, some more Lita. So let's uh, let's go listen to that. Thank you, listeners. It's been a pleasure, and uh, stick with us. Bye.